and rampage, he's going after rampage, rampage, rampage. rampage. We so, love a rampage. We do. We do love a rampage, <laughs> especially if and it ends in blood. Lots. There's and yes, there's plenty of blood that's going to end up in this rampage. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Hey guys, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry, and this is Julia. This week we are talking about 2015's Vilmark Asylum, aka Vilmark 2, which we will explain. Uh, the tagline or the title of this episode is "Help." I need somebody. Uh, now Not to say to- anybody. Yes, I love this. Yeah. I love that you picked that as the title because I know Julia had to say that. Uh, as people know, I'm a big karaoke fan, and my very first karaoke song that I did out in public, not just at like a private home, but like at like a restaurant when I was like 13, was the Beatles' "Help." So mine was uh, trivia in my world. Mine was "Oh Darling" on a cruise ship uh, when I was about 13 as well. So there we are. This is Look why we're us. friends. Synergy. <laughs> uh, so the tagline for this movie is they can demolish a building but never remove the past eh. written by uh, Kirsty Helen Rasmussen and Paolo Oye who also directed this so this is a Norwegian remake of Session 9 now uh, you can go back and listen to our Session 9 episode watch that movie I would highly recommend it before watching this one um, and it's a, I'm very surprised that there is a remake of it because it's so low budge that I was really yeah. like, this one, interesting. And then to make it a much higher, I mean, I guess this is the way it go, right? Is you get the smaller indie one that goes to the bigger, higher budget one, but it normally doesn't go America to Norway this way. And I like that it does. And I said, okay, it's this is why I want to watch. Around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised too. I was like, oh, something we did that you all like. Okay, great. Thank you. We're usually stealing things from you, music and more. But this is great. I I love I love the I love the cross cultural exchange. And <laughs> apparently, there is a this is part of a Vilmark Asylum series. Although you're not missing anything by watching not watching the first one. These are episodic uh, anthologies. So this is a standalone film. It just happens to be called uh, Vilmark Asylum Three. So it's uh, two. So it's like what Halloween Three wanted to be, but then isn't, and that's a whole another story. So. Let's open. Here we are in the beautiful Norwegian uh, countryside helicoptering into the sanatorium. So already I was like, whoa, budget. Well, hi. I mean, whenever you bring the helicopter into a scene, like I happened to film something this last summer where there was a helicopter for part of the scene. And I was like, ooh, this is money. Like just thinking about the hours that it takes per day of getting the whole cast up in there. Wow, wow, wow. Also gorgeous, like the landscape. It was giving me like the beginning of the ritual where the guys are kind of going out like Mm -hmm. into like, you know, the beautiful countryside as they're trekking out there. I was like, oh, no, they're in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. It really gives you the breadth of how far off the beaten path this particular uh, place is. Yes. So they are kind of stuck there and they have three days. This place is enormous. We should just say that it used to be an old tuberculosis place, but they're tearing it down, Um, which was an interesting 
switch from the Chester Nine because like they were they were like going through the asbestos and they were going to fix that place up. Right. And so this, that made sense why they're going through and, and this was like, oh, they're going to tear it down, but we still have to look through all the rooms. And I was like, I don't, but they're just going to, okay. I don't know. Well, they wanted that, to clear stuff out. I know. I was like, couldn't they have the people that they're building? Cause they said they're building a road go, go out there to, specifically just to help demolish this thing. Cause it's so massive. And so, um, yeah, it was, that was a little like, mm-hmm, what's going on with that? But also they kind of justified it a little bit too because it just sounded like these people, like in Session 9, were very desperate for money or desperate for a job. Yes. So they were kind of like, we'll take this impossible task to go out to this crazy place and like find old records was part of the things they're tasked with and actually catalog them, which they weren't in the in Session 9, the original. That was like kind of something that ended up happening and someone right. stumbled upon and ended up going deep diving into these records of an, an insane asylum versus... Um, a tuberculosis sanatorium. Right. Uh, but we, we, of course, we will find out the nefarious tuberculosis side plans that we had for this place. So they have three days to inspect 312 rooms. Um, and uh, they say four kilometers, which I should have uh, translated. And they said 6,270 square meters is yes. the actual size of that they have on their plans. Right. They're going to find out it's a little bigger than they thought, too. Yes, yes. Uh, four, 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 four kilometers of asbestos tearing it, insulated piping in there that we have to go through. So already, and this was something in session nine as well, you're like, asbestos, okay, please keep your masks on, you guys. And, you know, it, these masks look horrible. There's like, like a sweaty mess from moment one. You can see they're all fogged up. And like, I can even imagine how terrible they are. As we know, wearing masks, even on a portion on your face, not fun. But when you're stuck in your own, like, disgusting, sweaty nonsense, I can understand you don't want to take them off. But also, Please don't take them off because asbestos, Jesus Christ. Uh, and, I, I, you know, this is this is a, a but terrifying. They obviously, part. work around it a lot. So they're just like, huh, going to die anyway. Like that one guy's already coughing up blood. And he's just like, I'm coughing up blood. This is Frank. Like, just, okay, just guy. so resigned. Uh, and it's, of course, it's it's terrifying inside and, and something that nobody would want to go through. Uh, they find a man in there uh, listening to a tape. And he is a very strange looking man. And this is very unsettling. There's supposed to be nobody there. And as we know, we're very, very isolated. He's giving me Pete Postlewaite. I love yes. this guy. He's got yes. that kind of same kind of energy and vibe. And I miss him. And I love mm-hmm. that character actor. So he's got that very strange, similar kind of like haunting, like, are you a ghost? Are you a real person kind of thing? Um, and he he's the kind of guy who looks like twanged when you've already met him. Like you he's can tell, too like, calm to have mm. lived in this place for as long as he potentially has. Because basically they were like, yeah, this thing got dis- de- decommissioned in 1978, kids. It is 2015 and they're hopping in there. So he'd been in there by himself for a long time. And when you've been a hermit that long. Um, as we know from certain caretakers from certain hotels, things can go sideways. Yeah, your socialization might not be normal. So, uh, yeah. So they're, he's, they are very perplexed by why he's there, uh, but they ask him if he has the blueprints because they're starting to see already that it's not correct. The blueprints they have aren't correct. So can they help, hopefully they can help him. But he looks dubious, but uh, what are you going to do, right? You know, she, but I will say this is nice that we have you add some, some ladies to the mix, ladies that you will make shower later and look at each other. But she, you know, I'll take not it. Not matched on, on any of those counts. Honestly, I was, I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, I get it. I, I'll take the trade off. 
(laughs) (laughs) I support it. I support ladies. Um, But yeah, I was excited to see that too. That was one of the fun things about this update of seeing like not just an all male crew. So they had some parody here of, you know, and then also not just an all male crew, but one of the main characters, she's the leader of the pack is a lady. So I was Mm -hmm. really excited to see that as well. Yeah, she was. I thought. I think all the acting in this was uh, really good, and I, I enjoyed the different kind of personalities you have, and you have the kind of. I love the scientist uh, Ole, who's just in his own world all the time, looking at a microscope, jamming to music, not even paying attention. As we know, horror movie survivor got tip. Please don't wear headphones in situations like this. I know you're going to want to pass the time and listen to some tunes, but just put a radio on, man, because wearing headphones is going to guarantee lead to your death. And also, like, keep the music down a little bit. Like, you know, like, yes, have it on where you can sing along, but also where you can hear maybe somebody behind you or near you or like ghosts or like creepy uh, underdweller people uh, that might be uh, haunting um, an old space. Uh, so everybody's starting to hear and see strange things, glimpses out of the corner of their eyes of nurses and whatnot. Uh, and they find uh, one man, one of the guys finds a dog. And then we have a video camera that they find which leads them to a man who is hanging from a rope in like a foyer not looking it's like the, the yeah it's like the bottom of a stairwell basically like near an, an a door um that seems to go nowhere though it's terrifying i love this montage that goes up to it because it's kind of like one more unsettling thing after the other leading up to this moment like one of the guys finds a blob of hair like mm-hmm. from a drain, like like it looks like just like somebody's head was shaved or something or just like disgusting things that are kind of like just unsettling enough, like body weird stuff that they're finding along the way. Um, they see lasers, you know, that they're using like as part of their tools and stuff like that to measure and look at things. So I like that's kind of the fun thing and the difference between I'm thinking about session nine and this too was like the update of like the tools that you might use on something like this. Mm-hmm. And even with like updated tools, you're still missing so much because this place is still too big for the sure. amount of time that they're supposed to get it done. Yeah, I've never really thought about the asbestos industry uh, updates. Updates in the last couple of years. That's not something that's ever crossed my mind. But, you know, if you're into that and you want to tell me about it, I'll listen. Why not? I'll learn something new today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you think the guy's dead already, but he's not dead. And then he does die. So poor guy. But they find his video camera on the videotape. It pretty much shows that Carl snagged that guy and took him to his death. And they're like, well, now there's a problem. And now there's a big problem because uh, Live, who is our uh, leader, wants to, they want the Frank and her going back and forth about calling the police because, of course, this is going to be a big deal. This is going, they have, they need this job, as they keep saying. They're supposed to do it in five days and now they're doing it in three days, which you're not supposed to do. And already people are starting to splinter off into not doing their job. So it's not going well. But so there's this debate about the, you know, and, and most of the time in a horror movie, I would say, call the police. Yeah, don't call the cops. No, do no. call the cops. Do call the cops. Okay, right? you can call them, but nine times out of ten, when they show up in a horror movie, they're useless. No, so, that's very true. That's very so true. So it's like that's like the hard thing of like, okay, and I get where I get Frank's like apprehension about it because he's like, if we call them, they're gonna show up here and they're gonna, you know, like get in the way. They're gonna be having a whole investigation while we're actually trying to get work done. Right. Um, and then they're gonna be questioning us the whole time. They're gonna be like all this other stuff that's gonna go on that's gonna hit like hinder their time. So yes, but I also probably would have called them right away too, because this place is creepy as hell. And like if that guy could die like that, and you like, know you're in that place with that murderer. 
Like he's there with right? you. Well, they weren't sure. They thought, I think they still weren't a hundred percent sure he was murdered yet. Like they were like, that came out, I think a little bit later after they figure out that they're not going to call, which was their mistake. Sure. So, well, they, they know Carl's involved in a nefarious way. They also find out that Carl was a patient at this very institution when he was a boy. So he grew up here, has never left, and was a victim of this tuberculosis vaccine experiment that they gave to children that apparently just wiped out wiped out kids and made them real messed up, uh, both physically and mentally. Yep. And we realize he's been there much longer than we even anticipated because I was like in the 40s, basically, right? Like that he right. like got there. So. Right. And now we have this whole side story, which I think is totally unnecessary about him, but this 40s pilot that crashed in the water and the Norwegians. He says it's his dad or something like that. Norwegians killed him and now the plane has made the water in the pond dead. dead. Uh, and there's something going on with this this World War II thing that I'm not really sure what the point of it is. It seems to be not connected, but also connected. So, uh, you know. Uh, all they find like is a weird a- Hitler side plot. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so Olaf has a, a gun in the bathroom, and this is something that's terrifying, of course, but also you have to realize you're in Norway where, like, a, really a gun is not not normal, right? Like, here it'd be like, oh, that's weird, and Norway would be like, oh, that's real weird, because where did that come from? Well, that's as uncommon, but um, as you would think, but 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 yeah, um, so yeah, he uh, he, they, he they start going out shooting, and he takes Evan, one of the other guys, out like to practice shooting birds. But we keep seeing like a motif of all these birds, kind of dead birds that have been studied. Um, and a lot of them look like night birds or dark birds or things like that as well, too. Because um, Carl's got like a collection of like taxidermy stuff, which is not creepy at all. No. His office mm-hmm. is just like it's impeccable. But also, a like how did he? He has all these cameras about. I was wondering where did he get all the cameras? It's literally. They're nowhere near civilization. I still wasn't mm-hmm. sure where he got all the cameras that are out there. Was it someone else who came and like tried to investigate the place and he ended up like confiscating them after he murdered them or something? Mm-hmm. But I just I just wasn't sure because so much of the other stuff he had is like that old jacket was clearly weathered from a bajillion years old. Sure. It looked like he had been like, you know, crustified in it. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't really thought yeah. about that. But I guess because they were wildlife cameras it would make sense that he would have pilfered them from the woods around them if a hunter had put them there, I suppose. Um, yeah, really sure. that was like my only rationalization on that one, but I wasn't quite yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they end up having a water flooding problem on top of everything else. So now this they're looking to ch- shut it off, but they have to find the water main, which is who fucking knows where, because Carl has messed with the blueprints. Thank you, Carl. What a guy. So now we have a scene where the archivist who is a Cine is burning the records in the fire, which made me be like, wait, but you're an archivist. Why are you why are you burning? Well, she these? said she said at the beginning, too, she said, well, some of the stuff needs to be just dist- will need to be destroyed if we're not going to take it. That's what they wanted to make sure. I think they sent her there to also she must have known a little bit about kind of what might have gone out out there, like some of the experiments because of that. Oh, she seemed up. very well versed of that. So I think that was part of their mission was like as an archivist, she was supposed to save certain things and then anything else that was not of use anymore was to be destroyed or cataloged. That was what they what the directions were at the beginning. So she was doing that. She was destroying and then she kept a few pieces to catalog and then she shared those pieces around the campfire uh, with her friends. And that was where they find out a little bit more about Carl and his his background um, and they realized there was a whole doctor's office there and the, and the doctor was you know, conducting additional experiments on these kids. And they find out a little bit more about that. And there were 44 children 
um, war children, as they called them, that were brought into that experiment. And Carl is creepily watching them through the window uh, as it begins to rain as they're hanging out by this fire. And I was like, ooh, creepy guy in the window. Not scary at all. Just kidding. Terrifying. No. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, just terrifying. Yes, definitely. And then there's Uh, someone with Carl all of a sudden. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, things things are going to get real real funny real quick. So we uh, we have this sexual tension between uh, Live and Sine where they are roommates, of course, being the two ladies, and they keep kind of checking each other out. Uh, and so there's this moment of uh, Live checking out Sine as she's going to sleep. Next morning, she wakes up, and there's a selfie that Sine had taken of her while she was sleeping and her as well, which was never really addressed. And I was like, what the... What was that? I thought that was an old picture. I couldn't tell when the timeline was on that one, when it was taken. I thought it was that night. Like she had at some point or that morning or something. Four, but also I couldn't tell because I wasn't sure if we were just messing with the timeline already. We Uh also just need to note that Sine had also found this like dog tag from a, a German soldier that or that had been um, or the soldier that had been you know shot down um, and she decides to put it on. And that was like when she was showering earlier and like Leve was watching her shower. She saw this on her neck. And then in the middle of the night, we see a hand reach exactly to that um, to that dog tag and looks like they're going to strangle her. And then all of a sudden she disappears. So who knows what actually happened in that right. whole sequence? It's all starting evening. to get fuzzy, right? Mm-hmm. Already the time is starting to get weird. Uh, so they Where's fr- annihilation. Like, what's what time is it? What day is it? What's uh, going on? You know, yeah. like, yeah, who knows what the timeline exactly. really is? Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, so Frank and Zine are p- matched up and they are very unhappy about it. They find a tent in the down in like the basement, which is a very unsettling image. And uh, they but it's find not a- just any tent. It's a red tent that they saw outside at the beginning of the movie right. as they were flying over with their helicopter that was out like in the middle of the lake on like this little like island in the middle of the lake, basically. So it's like, how did that person get from the middle of the lake? And they were like, oh, it looks like good fishing out there as they were like optimistic before they landed down there. Um, And it's the same red tent now in the basement of this place. So who knows how that got moved? No. And it seems to have gotten there just before them as well. So there's some sort of time jump going on there. Yes. So they find another camera in the hunter's tent and on it is a terrible, terrible footage of surgery. When we had found his body before, one of the guys had found that there seemed to be this surgical wound, very fresh looking with some fur coming out of it that looked uh not good so now they know they're in big trouble especially when sene starts to get dragged down the hall in the tent just screaming as she goes and frank doesn't hear her yeah it's kind of terrifying and sene had started to figure out some more things too because strangely there were records all the way up to 1983 um, not just ending at 1978. So she's been getting closer and closer maybe to the truth. And I think maybe that's why she's the one who kind of gets like really, really attacked kind of first um, in this manner. And so, yeah, she's freaking out as she's getting dragged down this high hallway. Who knows where um, they're, they are in this basement and who, this ex- extra space that they didn't know was there because they thought the building was four stories, but it turns out it's five. So um, they that's find... Not at all. Um, and so down in there, they they keep finding these letters. And the suspiciously, like in the office, there was a typewriter that had these, only these letters were left. It was L-I-F-H-E. Um, the only letters left on the typewriter. And they keep seeing these letters all over the place, like in different ways, painted on the wall, maybe in blood, unclear or spray paint, not sure. Um, 
who do we yep. who do we think is is so we find out that hilfe is the is the norwegian word for help uh so who do we think is writing that is it so we find out let's go right to the scene here uh live mm-hmm. goes into far and carl thinks carl's sleeping it's actually not carl somebody else in the bed because the person in the bed is his son there's someone else with him uh and he tries to he decides that the, the, the jig is up and they're going to now uh he's going to kill his son with some sort of concoction in a syringe which he goes to stab him with but then son hulks out and comes and stabs dad in the stomach in this very i was like oh wait what's happening okay they have some sort of thing going on here that we're not really privy to and okay lots of pent-up energy going on here it felt very frankenstein to me of just like okay like you know this guy has made his child a monster and now the monster is going to retaliate as 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 carl tries to destroy it you know and i think he almost seems like a little gleam in his eye like oh like my creation is going to destroy me great great news you know um mm-hmm. very uncomfortable so now now his son carl's son is like basically on a rampage like throughout the whole asylum and rampage, he's going after rampage 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 we love a rampage we do we do have a rampage <laughs> especially if and- it ends in blood Lots there's and yes, there's plenty of blood that's going to end up in this rampage. So he basically goes and starts like attacking all of them kind of one by one. Um, But we still is it this is it another guy or is it this Carl's son who puts on the dons the mask and the hazmat. So he looks like Frank. That's yeah. And so people think that keep thinking mistaking him for Frank because he's wearing the same outfit, but it's not. And so basically he uses that as a ruse to lure them in and. You know, um, he's staple guns them in the head, basically, with uh-huh. and with each. And he's been marking all of them with the letters, uh, the help letters. So I don't know if he's been the one or if that's just the only word that all the kids know, because mm. it looks like one of the little girls that's also been living in that asylum, who's maybe one of his sisters or kids or whatever, also has been spelling it out in blocks. Right. Um, like little building blocks. So it's like the only things that they know how to say. And everybody's now wandering off in their own kind of horrible way of what they're seeing because everybody's seeing their own particular ghost we do get some very creative kills i do appreciate the power washer kill because that was lots of fun i was like all right one of my favorite i cheered i cheered julia as well like seeing i was like "Ooh, okay i've never seen that before um but basically levy gets attacked and um she ends up having a power washer thing that she stabs the guy through the guts and uh, mm-hmm. we get his bloody guts uh, splattered onto the wall behind him uh, by way of being impaled by the power washer through the middle of his mid of his body. So beautiful. Uh, yes, and there's just uh, you know a, a, a slew of people just kind of wandering around the place, and the end. It's at first unclear which ones are real and which ones aren't, right? Because you have the ghosts, the nurses, and all this stuff, but then you have little girls. Like, is the little girl real? Are these men real? We're not really sure, but they're all kind of terrifying. Uh, they have this. And they this, all seem like they've been like, yeah, sorry. Oh, no. I wasn't going to Go say on. anything interesting. I was going to talk about an alarm. So please. Oh, no. I you. think but the, the interesting thing about all of them is that they've all been like modified. So they're all mods. They've all gone through some sort of experimentation with Carl. So he has this fascination with like owls and birds and things that can see in the dark because he thinks the next evolution basically is those who can see in the dark. And so they all have kind of a sensitivity to the sun. We find out I was like, oh, it's a little like the descent, like these people who have been down here too long. Yeah. 
and they don't know how to see outside, so they just attack anything that comes inside. But he's um, put like birds' eyeballs in their eyes, right? Yeah, he put like owls' eyes in them so they yeah. can see at night and okay. put like different I don't types think that, of like. I don't think that's probably going to work, but uh, okay. I think that they're probably all blind now. It doesn't look like it works. Uh, it looks yeah. like he's blinded them. And it looks like they're all just kind of feeling around. Um, and then also like even the nurse like who comes over and she's wheeling in and she like attacks in it. Um, I thought it was a horn that she pulled off of her. Then I realized, oh, it's the beak from one of the birds from like yeah. that raven that was outside. Yeah. So, so she's she had doing a bird like a, beak impaled on her head. It's like a, a Dr. Moreau kind of deal, right? You're, yeah. you're trying to make a, a better human, right? Uh, yeah, that man on the island in Japan. Um, uh, oh, whores of malformed men. Yes, that? that like that guy, like that guy as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. same, uh, same, same deal. Same deal. <laughs> uh, so they find uh, Sine. They find Sine. She's freaking the fuck out. They are like, "Hey, we found you. Stay here. We'll be right back." And you're like, "Dude." <laughs> They just, keep splitting the party every time. You know, it's just mayhem. It is like hijinks. It's like they cannot stay together for the life of them. <laughs> no, of course not. And Ole is finally like, I'm out, guys. Like, I have a kid. I'm not in for this. I'm sorry. It's just a job. Sorry. Out. And he's you got know, a little baby, not just a kid. It's like a little newborn baby that he's so proud of and such a sweet, jolly man. And to see this sweet, jolly man take a run for it and to only just fall into a trap outside you know, into a hole. Um, devastating. Uh, they finally find the surgery bay where we have uh, one, uh, one of the number of children. So I, where did the children's, where's the children's mother? Who is it? The nurse lady? Is that she a I real think lady? It's the nurse. I thought she was a ghost. I wasn't clear on I that. I think she's real. And I think she's the only one that like could have them, I think at this point. Right. Okay, sure. Uh, but they're all, it's got to be all like incest, right? Because at this point, like depending on how long they've been out there, it seems like they've been out there by themselves a of long course. time. Unless they're just dragging in people that have tried to, you know, come out there to sneak in there and uh, absorb them into the community. So tell us about some of this kind of final battle that we have here. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So we get into the final moment, basically, where um, Ole um, has... Um, has uh, gotten impaled as he did because he fell into that freaking hole and he got mm -hmm. one of the little t -t 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 nails in the head with the letter on the pop popped onto it. And so Leve comes and finds him and is like devastated, of course. But she looks to him and then she looks at him like, what's wrong? And he sees behind her, the the man is going to come to try to attack her. And so um, she turns around, but she also kind of just freezes as soon as she turns around because she's not sure what to do. But Ole uses his last little bit of strength to shoot him, shoot him, shoot him good with that gun that we saw. Little, um, oh my gosh, uh, 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 not Stan, Chekhov's gun. <laughs> we saw at the beginning. We knew we we're like, someone's got to come in handy later, right? So he does get to use it to save her. Um, and of course, I love that her name is Live, spelled live, like she's right. the one who's going to live. So we're like, okay, yeah, this is our final girl. So she's going to bust her way out of there. Um, and she... Um, gets her busts her way out of there but she um finds a little girl along her way and cna has actually you know also been pushed in a wheelchair by the nurse into this crazy water um situation where she's kind of submerged mm -hmm. but she's on the edge of a ledge you can see if that wheelchair just gets pushed just a couple of inches it's over for her yep. so 
it's it's happening in slow, slow, slow motion. And there's not much mm-hmm. Leve can do because she's basically fighting and passed out with from fighting with the nurse. Sine goes down. Leve tries to jump in the water to save her, but it's that dead ass water. So she can't get anything, get make it happen. She crawls out and she's awakened by a little red string dangling mm-hmm. on her face. Mm. Not creepy. Not creepy. No. But we got what seems to be kind of an idyllic ending for Leve. She's got a dog who's going to follow her out as well as this little girl. But the little girl has a needle and she's going to stab her. Dun, dun, dun. The end. I was like, is she going to stab her in the eyes? I thought the final frame, y'all, is that baby's that little baby girl's hand like raised up like she's going to kill. So these 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 kids have not have learned nothing. But kill, kill, kill. <laughs> so how do we survive Vilmark Asylum? Uh, bitch, you don't go out there. No. <laughs> There's the, You can be desperate for a job and find another job other than that because that's insane. Yeah, don't don't work in asbestos and, and go out to an asylum where the job is bigger than you'll ever be able to get done. Um, that is potentially haunted. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair. But, you know, if you have extenuating circumstances, you never know what happens. I'm going to do some gore factor for you folks. One is not enough blood to fill the Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. This is a full five run for that barf bag. There is some guts and some glory and some blood and transplanted eyes, which is even grosser. Yep, it's a good amount. I think this is a lot gorier than session nine as well. So good good on you guys for ratcheting it up for this beautiful remake. Um, next, we're going to have some chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. This is a 4.5 for me. Um, I think just because there's a couple little things that I was like, ah, that's just annoying enough um, to not make it a full five for me. But I really loved it. The acting's really good. The characters are very cool. Um, I love this update. It's a really fun update of um, a really a movie that scared me a lot. Session 9 scared me a lot. I remember pausing it a lot. So I know that's how I was scared. I was just mm-hmm. like, Ugh. so it was just different enough as well, too, that I think it's it stands alone as well. So um, high recommend. So I give this a three and a half scene where seen better and a little bit more. I thought it was inferior to Session 9 in a lot of ways. And, and this would not surprise anybody, but for me, this was too big. I don't need oh. it to be this movie. I don't need Session 9 to be bigger, right? The thing I like about it is it's very small and it's very contained and it's just, you know, five or six characters and that's all there is. And there isn't a lot of visuals of what the terror is. I don't feel like you get these big ghosty, like, there's a nurse, there's a little girl, there's a there's a mutant, and now there's a guy in the back with It's a, all in their mind. A, a lot of it's in their mind and you're not sure. And yeah, and that original. makes it scarier mm-hmm. to me. So I mm-hmm. feel like this was too much. And even though the effects were cool and we had some cool kills, I was like, I don't need it to be that big. And so uh, it felt like a downgrade to me, uh, in my opinion. I would go for the smaller movie because I think like the smaller movie is a better movie, in my opinion. Okay. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about my opinion, but then again, my opinion is different than yours, different than every listener. Yeah, I really liked it because it was like, I, I, I felt like it was a lot of, um, it was derivative of a lot of things I really like, like a little Blair Witchy, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, like the OG had a little bit of the ritual, it had a lot of those things, like as far as like the vibe and energy and some of the cuts that they did and some of the montages reminded me of that. I like the disorientation, um, you know, of using that technology. So I thought it was a good update. So 
There well, you now, have it, kids. Now, now, horror movies, Bobbycad listeners, you have a fantastic double feature set right up for you. Watch Session 9 and then watch Vilmark Asylum and then listen to both our episodes and tell us what you think. There you go. There's your weekend yeah. sorted. Homework done. Uh, so <laughs> next week, we're going to be talking about a movie that I know nothing about, but the title tells me many things. This movie is called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. This is not, there is not three of these. It's just called the third, which I enjoy. It's funny you know, because we just watch Vilmark Asylum 2, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so movies that are like dub sequels but are not actually sequels. It's mm-hmm. like Leonard Part 6, Yeah. Uh, one of the most atrocious movies on the planet. I do own it, uh, unfortunately. I have escaped um, that one. I have not seen it. I've I- never. I, I thought about bringing it to movie night so many nights, Julia, and I will never do that to us. Because okay. I... <laughs> Goes too you, far. It's, it's just... It's, especially in hindsight knowing what we know now it's sure, just sure. enough where it's yeah, so uncomfortable fuel. it's gotcha. so bad <laughs> <laughs> but there are some very cool actors in it so i i, I don't know it's it's a toss-up for a couple of really fun performances but mm. this is what Gorg camp is you look at movies that you used to love as a kid and go oh problems uh yep. so thank you for listening to us talk about velmark asylum this week we'd love to know what you think of the film you can find us online on twitter facebook instagram patreon teespring you can buy some merch you can support us with our patreon whatever you want to do we just would like to know uh what you think and 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 what movies you would like to see us cover we are always looking for for movie suggestions we have a gigantic list that we do look through every time we're looking for new episodes so send them in yeah they it could be you it could be your pick someday it it could be someday it could be you oh that's beautiful julia we'll see y'all next week uh, for Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this movie, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be fun. Okay. Be rad, bro. Okay, yeah, right, right on. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide. <laughs>